The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You know it's all. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. Because you know it's all. It's all. Being a football player, I my task is as a wide receiver. I look at the I look at the linebacker, I look at the safety, then I look at the corner. I already know what potentially what defenses they will play mm-hmm. based on set alignment, the route I have, and how I should do it. I am able to look at that, fix the problem, and then run my route. I look at life like that, and it's so hard to do. Well, the strive for excellence that you put on yourself. Let me tell you something. That you are undermining, you are undercutting, you are using the wrong words. Do you want to know what I realize I am? I am obsessed with perfection. I am obsessed with completing goals Mm -hmm. and getting tasks done. It irks me because now I sit back and I go, I got to slow down, I got to stop, I got to Enjoy. Well, as we mentor each other that we do because of our friendship outside, we've had these discussions, and we're getting better in perfection may not be able to be achieved, but oh yes, but one percent better every day. Yeah, that's what you want to strive. Because for. I've been, I was taught, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. You're getting worse. Do you know how tough that is? Can you imagine going into work in football? That is the common thing you are getting better each year or you're getting worse here's a you want to hear a funny story of how i took that to the nth degree of (laughs) buttholeness but you like buttholeness because i I didn't really okay i got it go ahead right so each year when coach fox was the head coach we used to do these things in our off season and you had to come in and work out and then they have a test you have to run a 40 you had the bench press, you had the vertical jump, you had to do all that stuff. And eventually, because guys started getting hurt pulling hamstrings, so they just really did it to the weight room. 
I was into muscle endurance. I was not mm -hmm. into lifting a whole bunch of weight. So we would have to bench. You have to test. So 225. So the first year I did it, I begrudgingly did it. Begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. <laughs> I begrudgingly did five. One, two, three, four, five. Did my vertical, whatever it is. Did my run, I run. But okay, I'm out. Next year. So you got to remember, you're either getting better. Or you're getting worse. Or you're getting worse. And if you're getting worse, they will what? Replace you. Yep. They will draft your replacement. So being a unique individual I am, I get under the bench press again. Boom. One. Ah, two. Three. Oh, I'm going to give you all of them. Push it. Push it. Four. Yep. Ah, got it. Five. Breathe. Ah, boom. Got up to five. About to hit six. Stopped halfway and said, hey, how many I had last year? That's so Guy looks at paper. He goes, five. Ah, six. Boom. Getting better, bitch. And I got <laughs> off. So funny. I went straight to the shower. <laughs> got you. dressed. And I left. I got better. You did. You cannot draft anybody to replace me because technically, yep. I got you better. You showed improvement. Do you understand I did that for like two more years every year? The next year I did? Seven. Seven. And they finally said, don't even do it, bro. That's it. You're good. That is how obsessed I am with perfection. Where Man. I know you are saying you're either getting better or worse. So how do I show you and show you my unique way? Oh, I'm getting better. Not by your evaluation, because I already know your evaluation is going to be skewed. So if it's all about numbers and it's all about seeing paper-wise when they put you on a chart and they go, did he get better? So you said better. You didn't say how much better. Yep. You just said better. Yep. Uh -huh. So it's funny. You know, my kids play, you know, play PlayStation. I don't really play video games as much as I used to. But my... My name on my PlayStation, guess what it is? Policy Bender. Is that not a pretty accurate That's name? It's a super accurate statement. Yeah. It's super accurate. It, what does this all go to? Man, it just all goes to, that's why I love, this is my sanctuary. This is what I love about this podcast. Man, if you really verbalize what we all go through in life, you got to think about it. Man, it is hilarious. It's traumatic. Yeah. It's funny. And it's also sometimes we just overcomplicate some of the simplest things. Absolutely. I got to, you telling me we're in a National Football League and we're going to tell, you, you're going to evaluate a test to say if this player's getting better. But you watch all these films and you know. If this young man could cover, run, jump, or pass, you don't need a test to know, nope. hey, man, he got burnt. As an analyst, if I look up and I say, how many times is this player targeted as a corner? If I look at my pro football focus account and I look at it and I find a researcher, I grab my researcher and they say, when this guy's targeted, the receiver is catching a ball 64% of the times. I don't need a test to tell me this brother needs to be replaced. Yep. Because if you're telling me right now for 64% chance, if I buy a lotto ticket, I'm on a lotto, do you need a test to do that? No, you go, 
Well, hell, I like my odds because when you look at the test, you, you look at the odds of normally, they say one out of how many thousands of people? Well, you know, you know what we don't know, though? He might have been getting caught on 68% of the time the year before, so he got better. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty good. Depends on Touché. what – probably a different team, though. <laughs> that's probably why that coach probably will get fired. That's right. Are we talking about the Detroit Lions? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll digress. All right. I'll be here tomorrow. Hey, who we got? Coming up on the Cut To It podcast, we've got Trey Wingo, a sports media veteran who formerly hosted SportsCenter and NFL Live. He's now the chief NFL analyst for Pro Football Network and the chief trends officer for Caesars Sportsbook. Trey Wingo on the Cut To It podcast. Our first segment is called Get Iced Up. We have no idea what's coming, and you don't either. So, Smitty, go ahead and I'm give terrified. him a first. All right, if you moved on to the block of Sesame Street, mm-hmm. uh, who would you want to be your neighbor and why? Old school Sesame Street, not the new school. Old Sesame Street. No, we're talking Oscar the Grouch, Big Bird. Mm-hmm. Count Bird Dracula. Rain. That's have, what we're talking have about. Have they right? changed? My yeah. kids don't really watch Sesame Street like that. So have they, They've changed a little they bit. They've changed. Like, yeah. It's yeah. New people. Yeah. They got, they, uh, yeah. Sesame Street gentrified. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going I'm to go Elmo, I think. Why Elmo? I don't know. He just seems like he'd be an easy neighbor. You know, I think in that situation, definitely not Oscar the Grouch because he, he'd just be annoying. Yeah. He lives in a tiny time. house. Yeah, yeah. I I think Elmo would be the easiest one to get along with. I just like he wouldn't bother you. You know what I mean? I'm going with Count Dracula. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, that's uh, although he works he works non-traditional all hours. the time. Yeah, but hey, you yeah, but all ah 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 that hey, would get annoying. But you always got to have a brother that can count though. So he knows his numbers. It's true. One, two. I don't know. I just always, I always loved him. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't hang with Big Bird. You just, he yeah. just wrong day, wrong time, uh, wrong hour, and nothing's worse than scaring you than a big old yellow right. bird talking about what up. Right. You like twelve feet tall. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, you, you, you always, well, I can see why that would be a problem for you because you were always one of the smaller guys on the field, right? So you that don't want to do with that in your real life. No, that had nothing to do with it. It just had to do with a big old yellow bird just <laughs> popping up on you. I, I don't do scary <laughs> movies, man. <laughs> you ever watch a scary movie like back in the day and then had to go to the bathroom or something like later that night and you hit every light? Yeah. See? Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh. Do, do you remember that movie, The Blair Witch Project, that came out? In yes, like the 90s? I watched. Uh, I watched okay. that movie, and I also at the end, I, I've, yeah. I, I didn't see that when I saw the ring. Okay. That one messed me up. Well, well, here's the thing about the Blair Witch that freaked me out. Okay, mm-hmm. and then I went home to my house, which was backing up to the woods, see? and I was the only one in the house. And I'm like, I'm legit terrified to walk into my house right and now. And think about it. And if Big Bird came out, what would your response? <laughs> oh, no. See? No, no, that, that no, that's a hard pass for me. Hard Thank pass. you. <laughs> hard it like, pass. It ain't like Big Bird is armed or anything. Like, ain't he... man, were you scared? You don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't have time to process. Well, is he armed? Is he unarmed? Does he have a knife? I got a, a I got a big yellow thing around me <laughs> when I'm terrified. That's no, I don't need that. Life is hard enough. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite time of the year? I love fall because well, a football. Mm-hmm. B. I grew up in Connecticut. Okay, so my favorite time of the year was when it's like it's sunny and the and the the sun hits your face, but.
but the air is a little chilly and like you, you, you breathe in and, and it, uh, it gives you a little bite in the lungs. That little sort of combination of, uh, okay, it's still warm outside. I can feel the sun on my face, but that little nip in the air and the leaves start to fall. That, that's my favorite time of the year. I've never heard of a bite in a lung, and I'm not sure that I want to indulge <laughs> in that conversation. A little chilly. Just a little chilly okay. when you a breathe bite, in the cold air. A bite in the lung. I don't, yeah. I don't know what, where you picked that up from, but uh, I, don't, I don't want it. <laughs> Done. Well, you look like you're dressed for fall right now. So Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm, you're looking real skiish. I like to ski. <laughs> real skiish. Yeah, I like it. Um, this actually is a golf jacket. No, okay. Nice. Yeah, well, a lot I'm of people don't know. So. Yeah. Either way, you prepared. Yeah, I am. If you can instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Well, I'd sure as hell like to figure out my driver. I'll tell you that much. That thing's going <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Same. So that place, you know, like I talked to some of these these golfers. I'm like, well, I'm trying to move the ball left or right. So I did this. I'm like, I'm just trying to hit it, man. Yeah. Like I'm trying to see it go that way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing worse. Like I, I play a lot of golf. There's nothing worse than when your driver's not working, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you're just like you're scrambling. You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're yeah, you're you're dead you think from the get go. Like, right? Like if you if you you know people say putting's the most important thing, maybe for for pros, but for amateur players, I'm trying to get if you to. can't get off the tee, the game sucks. And it's just like, well, I gotta pitch it out, or I gotta work it around a tree, or I gotta hit out of a bunker. If you can't hit a fairway off the tee. You're, you're, it's like being down 20 points at the start of the first quarter. So if you're not good off the tee, are you one of those yeah. golfers where you find yourself explaining your game for the, <laughs> for the next two or three holes? Here, here's, here's that smile said yes. <laughs> that smile said yes. But usually it's not this bad. Look, I don't know what look, it is about today. Look, he's grinning. He's a, here's, here's what my pro once told me. He said, he said Trey, what, happened. You, what you, happened was. What had happened was, <laughs> he, he told me, he said once, Trey, you're the best multitasker I've ever seen. I've seen you like do this while you're doing an interview and doing all that. You can't do that when you play golf. Yeah. You can't think when you play. That's why Dustin Johnson's a great golfer. He doesn't think, okay? So I think too much out there, and okay. I get in my own damn way, and it mm. drives me crazy. That's what you're telling yourself, huh? <laughs> well, because like, well, I, what else made her to just say I suck at it? Th- that's right. that's always a good one. I'm I'm not great at it. <laughs> I but... don't want to be that honest yet, Smitty. <laughs> Look, I enjoy I enjoy golf, whether I have a yeah. good game or bad game. I yeah. love getting on the course. I do too. Re- removing myself from people, mm. right? Just the yeah. the day. De- oh, hey, this happened. Mm, no, oh, sorry. It's good for you. I'm on 18 right I'm now. On, no, just I'm nine. right now. Even nine? I'll just yeah. do nine just to get back to the day, but I enjoy it. What I really love some headphones and a driving range. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can go out there. See, there's, that, that's interesting you say that because there's two kinds of golfers, right? There's the, the kind of golfers that just show up and play. I can be that sometimes. There's, right. Doesn't but, mean anybody but, off the tee. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but see, what you're telling me is you're about to grind. Because the guys that go to the range and want to put on the headphones, they're about the grind. And they're about figuring that part of it out before you even step onto the golf course. You know, I'm not even going to go there. You know what I enjoy? Hmm. The peace. Hmm. Man, there's sometimes you – I I believe this weekend I maybe get on the course and somebody's new album is coming out too. So I'm really excited to go through a Two Dale, birds, one stone. Go through a Dale's album. And get nice. on the drive on the on the driving range. Heard her heard her performance last night was oh rec- dope. Recorded it. I'm you gonna did. watch it later I didn't today. See it recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, last one. Okay. 
Favorite ice cream? Wow. Um, when I was a kid, there was a Baskin Robbins flavor called Golden Vanilla, which I thought was the greatest. It's just like extra vanilla. It was like extra vanilla y vanilla. Um, but I, I sort of gravitated away from that. I like something with a little caramel in it and like something a little crunchy, whether it's moose, moose tracks or some, uh, some Oreo cookies. Give me a little, give me a little vanilla with caramel on the inside a little texture huh? yeah a little texture yeah. I'm, I'm about bringing things together okay. oh man that's that that unity flavor huh what you got come Jay? on I, see the way my stomach is set up i don't i don't do ice cream so I, unfortunately Ooh. i just before just, you just, found out that your stomach <laughs> i just don't do ice really cream. i mean i probably do like a maybe cookies and cream but okay. i don't there you, know, you go ice also cream, solid yeah ice cream Very for solid. me mm -mm, nah get out the way you, you uh, seriously then this is very you're like the first person I've ever met who said he doesn't like ice cream. No, I think he likes ice cream. I, I think the people around do, him <laughs> don't not, like, don't want me prefer to have him not to have ice cream. I'm lactose. There's a thing that would have. Okay, yes. I'm lactose. Like, he can have yeah, ice cream. Got it. Got it. Can't go go well. Or when I do get it, like I got to get like the super kids. Like my daughter Mia, she's seven. Like my daughter, just but even smaller than that. Like I just can't. I don't it do just, a lot. Have you done the the other kinds, the you know, coconut and all that. I just don't venture out because now my mind is to where like I just don't really do ice cream like that. So man, I just I got, really don't. I and we've been one. in different places. Like I never, I'll never get it. I, I never I, get it. Man, I got one that's is is dairy free. It's coconut uh -huh. and it's a uh, pina colada with pineapples in it. But that's like pina colada. That's not ice terrible. Cream? Is that like some yeah. sherbet? It's with coconut milk. Oh, for, okay. So if uh, it, like that, I thought it was like that old school, like the like your grandparents used to eat the sherbet. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sherbet's awful. <laughs> sherbet's awful. I'm not, yeah, sherbet. You're like right. a, you, you never saw terrible. your grandparents eat sherbet. Maybe it was just my. Maybe just my. Sherbet slander. It's slander. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mark that off the list. I don't yep. think we're gonna get a sherbet. What uh? <laughs> so man, what's what's been going on? How's how's life been? Life's good, bro. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just keeping busy during football season, doing a lot of stuff, and. Uh, you know, uh, this might like it's my fa like I said, it's my favorite time of the year. I uh, I don't know what I would do if I didn't watch football. Mm. So uh, my favorite thing to do is sit my ass on my couch on Sunday and watch all the games and mm. chop it up with people. I mean, do you I, watch it's every game? I watch as many of them as I can. Um, I you know obviously the red zone is the greatest in the history of television. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest thing ever. Like. When Tom Brady was suspended for those four games in 2016, that was the first time he watched the red zone. He was like, "Oh my god! Like, how did I? How did I live without I knowing that this existed?" Well, you, I still you, haven't you played. watched the red zone. <laughs> you haven't? No. Oh, it's awesome. Is it? It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it shows all your scoring plays. Yeah. It's it's football on every drug you can possibly imagine. Well, that's the only way to describe <laughs> yeah. it. It's right. It's just like rapid fire. Bam, 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 yeah, bam, bam. If, it's great. If a, if a oh, network oh. if a network took pre workout, that's what red zone is. Yeah, exactly right. It's like, yeah. it's like, oh, we got, we got a third and six over here. Wait, we got a yard pass over here. Wait, they blocked the kick in Dallas. How did that happen? What? Oh, oh my God, did you yeah. see that play by John? So anytime you cross bam, over bam, into bam, the bam, 20, bam. once you're in, literally once you're in the red zone, it will break to end. Or if there's like someone's immediately in a scoring play. So let's just say it's, oh. you know, it's first and goal from the two and Tennessee's. But it's, I, yeah, it's, it's I have the channel. I've never watched yeah, I it before. I, I think, I think you would like it. Mm. Well, I, I have think to. It would appeal the only, to your inner nature. Here's the only problem: I have to know some of the small details that other people don't pay attention to, so I, that won't yeah. show me in red zone. Like, yeah. So I was gonna say, just so if you're looking for that, then you're gonna hate it. But yeah, for the for the person who's following their fantasy football team, oh yeah, just, yeah, like that's why okay. people I, I think just enjoy mm, it so much. I just learned something. There you go. Yeah, I'm trying to help. 
You're doing a, doing a fantastic job. <laughs> yep. By the way, before we go any further, can I tell you something about the guy you do the podcast with? Which Let me guy? Tell you something about him. You. <laughs> I want to tell you. I want to tell your coworkers. I, oh, okay. I, I was gonna say. I was, I was gonna say. <laughs> how do you know G? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, no, what I, did I, Joe I just, do hey, man, my, in booking? My, my what did backstage precedes me? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just so you know, like when it was when I was at the end of my time at ESPN, and there was a lot of stuff out there. Some of it true. Some of it not true. I got a call, and one of my calls, one of the first calls I got was from Steve Smith, and he said, "Hey, I'm just checking to make sure you're okay." I'm just checking to make sure you're good. And I was like, I appreciate you. No, I was. You've been somewhere for such a long time, a staple. I've gotten to, you know, learn and grow from you as well. And um, I just, you know, I, I knew when I saw that news, I I didn't want any, you know, I did. I said it. I didn't want any skinny. I didn't want to know anything yeah. that was a part of the business. Just wanted to make sure the man was okay. It was how, appreciated. How rare is that, Trey? For I mean, you've been in sports media for a long time. You're you're a vet. Yeah. You're doing. And we'll get into a, a lot of the things you're doing right now. But but how rare is that in this media industry? Um, it meant a lot to me because obviously he was a guy that I respected and watched and and played, and we developed a relationship, you know, over over email and and text and whatever. So you know, it, it to me it made me feel like what I did on ESPN all those years, I did it the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, I always, I was never a guy and this is probably good that I'm not there. I'm not a hot take guy. Like I'm going to say something crazy just to see how many clicks I can get. You know, that's not how I did it. That's not how I wanted to do it. When we were doing the show, you know, we would, it was with Herm and Darren Woodson and Mark Schlereth and Teddy Bruschi. We would, we would break down film and we would try to put reason to things, you know, Mm -hmm. the why. And so, the why, the yeah, why. why is this happening? Like, mm. I'll tell you, one of my favorite ep- episodes of NFL Live, 2014, Monday night game, the Chiefs welcomed in the Patriots, and they kicked their ass. I think it was like 41 to 14. It was one of the worst beatings in the Bill Belichick-Brady era. And after that game, everyone was saying, that's it, that's the end of Brady. He looks terrible. I had a buddy of mine that I trusted said, Yo, he looked like Joe Namath for the Rams. That's how bad Brady looked. It's 2014, okay? So every show was just saying, this is the end of the dynasty. We went on NFL Live that day, and I said, let's pump the brakes, okay? I'm not going to judge a Belichick-Brady team in September. I'm going to judge them in December and January. And oh, by the way, they went on to win the Super Bowl that year and went on to win a few more and make a few more appearances. So that was always my the way I approached it. Let's not just throw gasoline on a fire. Let's look at what happened. Is it fixable? And I always try and play the long game. Mm. Always try and play the long game here. Like when people were going crazy after three bad games from Patrick Mahomes this season, I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just pump the brakes. You know, we've seen what he's done for three years and the first six games of this year where they were scoring more points per game, more yards per game, had a better third down conversion rate and a better red zone touchdown conversion rate than either the past two years when we went to two straight Super Bowls. So I don't think the offense is broken. Everybody calm down. I love Cut To It, and I I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
I got all my answers questions. Um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it podcast.com. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Hey, one thing I get caught up on, I think, for myself is in our production meetings and all that stuff, man, I get caught on the um, how we want to crown. Everybody's great. Everybody's oh. everybody's done a fantastic job. Me, me and Earth have had very great conversations on there. He'll be like, oh, that guy's great. I'm like, he can't be great if if you're saying, well, we're paying him, you know, giving an individual, I won't say his name, we're paying him $22 million a year. We, he has four years left and $87 million. And we, ha- and we have to limit his throws, and he's a quarterback. How is that great? That's not great to me. <laughs> If you're getting paid $87 million and we have to limit your throws, hmm, I'm not sure if we consider that great. But well, yet we talk about all these other guys, Patrick Mahomes, they're great. Yeah. And so we just say the word great so much that now, right, I, I, I watch, they talk about players, whether they get in trouble or do something, they go, NFL star. And then you look at them and go, and I do been in the league three years, <laughs> right? We, we're throwing around these names so the, much. The flowering language. The, the, <laughs> we giving everybody roses so mm. much that the guys who have not earned their roses yet believe now that they're great. Great example, DK Metcalf. And here's my question. He's tired of losing that I heard. Yeah. 
But catch that ball going across the middle, son, with your hands instead yeah. of with your instead of them nice pectorials, then um, <laughs> you might might not be frustrated. Yeah. The other thing that comes to yeah. mind too, when, as as y'all are talking about the sports media landscape, and it, I remember I worked in PR in the NBA for a couple of years right out of college, and I remember my director at the time said, "People have it all twisted. People want to be first instead of being right." And that was, man, that was 08. Mm. And it seems like this, and all social media has done is probably boosted that you know on steroids. But it, it's, it's clear, like, what's more important? Is it being first or is it being right? I think it's, can you say something outlandish mm-hmm. that people will react to? Yeah. Whether or not it's, whether you're absolutely convicted of it. it it's about the response more than about the the substance. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I think, I think that, right. I think that's a big part of it. Ooh, this went viral. The sound, or, yeah, the sound ooh. it's almost the sound bite thing, right? You want to get yeah, the sound look, bite. Look, yeah, yeah. Look at look at the number of clicks or the likes or whatever. And that's fine. And people get paid a lot of money that way. But at the end of the day, shouldn't it be about something? Yeah. Like I want it to be about something. Yeah, it was, you know? a, it was an instant like, oatmeal take. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pour some water on it, watch the steam come up. You know? <laughs> oh, I like that. You know, I grew up on oatmeal, so that's pretty good. Oh. All right, let's get into it, man. Trey, where are you from in a place you call your hometown? I was born in New York City, um, hmm. but I grew up, uh, we traveled a lot when I was a kid. My dad was a reporter. Um, he we, uh, was born in New York, then we moved out to L.A., and then we moved to Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, my dad covered the Vietnam War for Life Magazine. He was the bureau chief for the Vietnam War. So we lived in Hong Kong for three years. And uh, then we moved back to the States. And I grew up in a little town called Greenwich, Connecticut, which was right outside New York City. My dad took the train into Grand Central Terminal uh, every day for 26 years to go to work. And we, we grew up in, uh, in a little sort of bedroom community in New York City called Greenwich, Connecticut. Did you take advantage of, you know, the way you were raised, were there any disadvantages? There's no right or wrong answer, but I just love yeah. asking. Well, one, one thing, I'm, it's really, that's a great question. One thing I noticed when I was a kid, because Greenwich was, a, you know, Greenwich is... I've never been there, so pretty, I don't know. I don't, so. Well, it, it's Greenwich, you know, it's, it's, a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty upper crust oh, okay. place, okay? And, uh, you know, having lived overseas, even as a little kid, lived mm. overseas for a few years. And when we came back, we did a lot of traveling and went to India and a bunch of different places. It was easier for me to accept people that didn't look like me mm. than maybe some other people. You know what I mean? Like I, I was very appreciative exposed. of the fact that I, I, yeah, I was exposed to different things, different cultures, instead of just this is this, you know? And I think that was very I, I, I wish I'd taken my kids and lived overseas somewhere when they wow. were little to have that sort of same experience because you do sometimes find yourself in a box. If you like, I have a buddy of mine who went to high school and went two, two hours down the road to college after went to college, went back to a law school in the same town. And he lives literally seven miles, minutes from where he grew seven up. miles yeah, down right. the street. Yeah. Exactly. He's, he's and, moved up to a bigger city. Correct. And he's a great dude. I love him all the time, but like his whole world is in yeah. this little area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a vanilla I'm appreciative of the fact that I've, yeah, yeah, I've been to a bunch of different places and seen a bunch of different things. And I think it, it helps round you as a person. I really believe that. Hmm. You can't be what you well, can't see. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, you know, we where we live now, where our kids went to high school is also a fairly homogenous place. You know what I mean? Oh, no, and one no. of my what, what do you uh, homogenous? It, well, you know, break, break it down I, I, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple, most, Steve. Most most people look, look the like same. Me. Okay. Look like me. One of the things that I was most proud of was that when my son went to play college football, all of his friends, didn't most like of him. his friends, didn't look like him. That's what I'm talking about. And, you, you know, to this day, there's still, some of, there's still some of my favorite people that I get to see whenever we get together somewhere. So, uh, yeah. you know, he, being in a locker room, you can't overestimate that. Like, you can't run away from it. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to look and deal with people that grew up in a different place from you that have a different background from you. And you got to find a way to coexist. And, and I think that was, that was, that was one of the best things about him playing college ball. And to, you know, to this day, he what, still which, hangs out. Where did he play those, at? Played at Georgetown, Georgetown university nice. in Washington, DC. So here's, here's a great thing. And this may, you know, in the context of it, non-context, it, it can come off the wrong way, but in the context of it, when you, when you happen to be black, and you're around people or you have not been exposed, it's always enlightening to have someone that does not look like you come to the party because they bring something that is missing. Yeah. Right? And then vice versa. So basically what you're saying is when you have a barbecue, <laughs> right, you, you got to bring some black friends because they just going to bring some food that you're just not used to. <laughs> right? And it ain't going to be raising a potato salad. Right. I can tell you exactly. that. Man. Exactly. I can tell you that. Well, I don't do potato salad anyway, but I don't understand the raisin thing. So <laughs> is, I can tell I you that. I do not get that. Like, why you want to throw those little turds in there? I don't understand. But I just, I not just, a thing for me. I say that, you know, I, I was raised in L.A. And, and at the time, being raised there, there was, there was all types of folk. But when you're talking about being at home, being comfortable, being around other people, the people that I interacted with, 90% of them look like me. Same complexion, same thought, same mindset. And I think you now that I look back, I think that was a disadvantage. Because sometimes if, you're, if you are around people that all, you all think the same, then no one thinks outside of the box. Correct. And that's where the skewed perspectives be, be began to be cultivated, began to look a certain way. And, and what do I mean by that is then all of a sudden I go to Utah and like the back black population is like 5% in you, the whole state. You had, you had immediate culture I was about to say, you're shock. talking polar opposites yeah. <laughs> Yes. From where you grew up. Exactly. Going to, you're going to Provo. And, and so one of the toughest things is when I first got there, man, I was homesick. I wanted to go home so bad. I did not have any – thing outside of football that was familiar to me. You didn't have that transition. Like he said, it was, it was so polar opposite. You go from L.A. to Salt to, to Utah. Yeah, there's no there, it, there, there was no buffer zone in between was no, and, and all the people that, that looked like me, I was also, too, I was a new kid on the block. I was their competition. So they didn't welcome – they welcomed me with open arms, but it was kind of like – it was like the, you know – the side hug. Right. Right. And yeah. and that and that plays a role, especially when you're nineteen years old, you're just trying to figure it out. So I, I think it's you brought it up and it just triggered me to think about it, you know. Um and so let's let's unpack, you know, I read this great story about you, didn't know it, 
uh, one nickel for the insult. Didn't realize uh, your father, who he was. Life magazine, um, he was there in the Vietnam War to cover of the Vietnam War. Several times he would head into the bush for weeks at a time, and you just assumed you'll see him later. But clearly yeah. your mother knew they were greater risk. In fact, in the photo of his days in Vietnam, the man to his left of the photo was killed when his helicopter was shot down no longer after the picture was taken. I pulled that out because I, I think it's really something that really shows, uh, you know, the true essence of the word ignorance of, you know, lack of knowledge of understanding your dad was who he was, but yet he was bigger than just how Wingo, your father, he, he meant something to a lot of people. He brought a lot of things to the table, but also too, he brought a lot of nervousness to your mom. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that was the job, you know, we were living in an apartment and, you know, she would always get, you know, upset when he would leave. And again, like I just assumed, you know, I'll see when you get back. But, you know, we didn't have cell phones. There was no, there was no Internet. You know, nope. he was going into the he was going into the shit, you know. And mm. and you're right. That, that picture was with him and uh, his, his friend John Saar and the guy in the glasses was the photographer. And I think a couple weeks after that photo was taken, the, the photographer, I can't remember his name, but his helicopter was shut down. Um, and, mm. you know, my dad's still friends with the other guy in that photo. But mm. um yeah, it was, and you know, the other thing was, like, like a lot of kids, I played with army toys as a yeah. kid, you know. And I remember Jones. one day, yeah, I, one day I was setting up my little plastic army men all over for a battle, and my dad had just come back and obviously seen some shit. And you know, he wasn't scolding me, but mm. he was like, "I just want you to understand, like, war is not a toy, you know, it's not a thing to play with." So I mean, I'm just be a you know, I was six, yeah. you know, at the time. You didn't and understand, so you didn't understand right. the adultism he, he was, he was applying to it. Right. But he was trying to instill in me at a very young age that, you know, there are toys and then there's war. Maybe the two don't always mix. No, no. How much did your dad, his career influence you, whether it was directly or indirectly? A lot. Um, like a lot of my friends, where I grew up, you know, their dads were businessmen or bankers or doctors or lawyers, you know, and my dad had a different job. Like after we got back from Vietnam, uh, he uh, life magazine folded and they said they kept my dad and three other guys and they come up with a different magazine and they founded people magazine. And I, I would always go uh, when you had school, those teacher and service days, you know yeah. what I mean, where the teachers had to meet and you had the day off from school, I would hop on the train with my dad and I'd go into New York City and, uh, you know, his office was right across from Radio City Music Hall, what was then the Time Life building on Sixth Avenue. And, uh, you know, I would go up there and he'd say, hey, run this photo down to the photo department for me. And I'd get one of those little office chairs as a kid and I'd wheel myself down the hall and drop something off over there and come back and it was fun. It was different. It was interesting. My dad did something that was different than all my other friends' dads were doing, and I thought it was cool. And so, you know, I I have to think that sort of indirectly, just seeing how how much fun he had at the job and uh, how different it was, it, I think it inspired me to want to try and do something different than just, you know, I'll go get an MBA and have an office job and all that kind of stuff. And I, it's certainly sort of been the way it worked out. Growing up as a kid, I never heard 
di- dialogue and say, hey, you know, I'll just go to school to get my MBA and go try mm-hmm. to do what my dad does. So mm-hmm. one. Another thing is um, I was reading a book and I heard this, and we, we've talked about it before. It was something that said that he, uh, a gentleman, I was reading a book, and he said that he inherited his uh, family heirlooms. He inherited something. And, man, I, you know, obviously in my, you know, playing football and as I've gotten older, I started to realize, like, other than playing ball, like, what am I going to, what are my kids going to inherit from me? And the more and more I do these, have these great guests like you, starting to realize as the sports world, sometimes as athletes, we're such at a disadvantage because we focus so much on the, the skill of the sport. But yeah. There's so many other areas outside the skill of sport, right? Um, whether it's reading books or getting, gathering information that has nothing to do with sports. And so just listening to you, like hearing you, you were a kid wheeling down the hallways, right. Radio City Music man, Hall, listen, and just bring all your kids to work day for Trey was, man, that shit on everybody else <laughs> in, in his class. <laughs> right. He's going downtown on the subway and getting yeah. off, and there's all of this stuff. And, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, like you said, it's like I remember taking my boys into the locker room. I, was, I remember my yeah. son, my oldest son, he was a ball boy for the Panthers. And then one of my other boys, yeah. he was a ball boy for the Ravens. And that was awesome for them. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but it's just that cool, that, that part that we just, sometimes we don't realize. And I'm realizing, like, outside of sports, like what is really going on, right, if you're a sports guy? And we just kind of get bogged down with the, Enamoredness well, of, of of the game that there's so many other things going on. Well, I think that's why a lot of a lot of guys that played like you sometimes struggle when ball is done. Mm. You know, because everything you did was such a time commitment and and required such a focus for you to be as good as you needed to be to keep getting a paycheck. You know, mm-hmm. and I like th- there's a do you remember the center Nick Hardwick who played for the Chargers forever? Yeah, yeah. Um, he I, the first year he stopped playing, he was he, he was lost. He was like, wait a minute. I don't have to be here. I like I've always my whole life was OK. You know, this you got to be here at this time, here at this time. And, you know, this is the offseason to do this. It, it, it almost overwhelmed him. Yeah. You know, he talked about like, I, I didn't know how to plan a day. I didn't know what to do. And it really got to him. And I think that's a struggle a lot of athletes have, especially in football, because it's such a mental mm. thing as well as physical that, you know, everything you did was about preparing yourself to be the best you could be to play. Season was all about getting your body in shape to withstand the rigors of the season that suddenly when you have to decide to do something else, and you have time, it can kind of freak you out, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Nick Harwick, center for the Chargers. He was also, I believe, colorblind. Lost a lot of weight. Had a great – has great sleeve work. Oh, he one of the best sleeves of But all I time. do believe he's I colorblind. I think that's the joke with his sleeve work that he can't even – Oh, is it really? Oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't even know how good it looks. <laughs> right. Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. 
The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Well, Trey, what got you involved in something? You, you've told us about your dad and being, you know, uh, working with people. What got you involved in sports? I was an awful football player and I didn't play for very long, but I, I listen, I can't explain why I've always loved football better than any other sport. I just, I, it, I gravitated to it. Hmm. Um, I, uh, I wanted to be, I so wanted to be a football player. Like I want, I would have, I wanted, would you nothing have... would have made me happier, but hmm. I, you know, I just, I wanted to do it. Like I was, I'd love football. I, I, I think the only way I can describe it is to me, it's the ultimate team game. Like, Baseball is basically a pitcher and a batter, right? That's the confrontation. And if the ball's in play, somebody else gets a chance to participate, right? Basketball, if you have one or two you're good. of the best no. players, you're good, right? You're good. Hockey or soccer, a goalie changes everything. Mm. Like you could have you could have the greatest attack, but if a goalie's hot or if the goalie's terrible, that just basically decides the game. Absolutely. Football is 11 guys in a huddle. They got to be on the same page. And if one guy Fs it up, odds are the whole thing goes to shit. That's pretty and accurate. That's what, I, that's what I love about it. Like, it's the ultimate team game. And, you know, the thing that I always say about football, too, and, and this is the thing that is lost in the days of fantasy football, football at its essence comes down to this. There's one wall of men, offensive linemen, It's going to try and dominate the other wall of men, defensive linemen, that allows everything else to happen. Everything else to happen. And because of that, that point of attack don't work, you don't have anything. Mm. And I, that's what I love about it. 
That's what I love about it. Take us through the process in your journey to become Trey Wingo. Because well, I, first I, I'd say I aim love. higher. But. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, no, no. You got to take the flowers while we give them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, throw the bouquets. Um, what's funny, it's, it's funny you say that because a buddy of mine just asked me to do something and it's, it's out now. We did, we, a bunch of us wrote little snippets of our story in a book. It's called where they were then it's available on Amazon now. And it's me, Kenny Maine, uh, Scott Reese, Bill Pito, uh, Heidi Watney, just, uh, Scott Van Pelt, mm. a bunch of us talking about how we got to where we are. Like I knew I wanted to like, give me an example. One of my first jobs, my first job out of college. I was an account executive at a PR firm in DC. I had a really nice apartment. Mm. It was a fun job, sort of. I lived in Washington, DC. It was great. And I hated it. Mm. I hated it. Why? I went to the office every day. This was before the internet. And, uh, you know, I just read the sports oh. pages. And I quit before I could get fired because I knew I was going to get fired because I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> so I went back and moved into my parents' basement mm. and uh, got a job at 30 Rock, uh, giving guided tours of the building at NBC and all that kind of stuff. And so I made a demo tape and sent oh, it out. Wait, wait, and, wait, uh, wait, 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 you're, wait. You're name dropping and just talking. First, I get a, I get a job out of college and be a accounting firm. Quit. P at a PR firm. Yeah, PR firm. I, and I'm still, yeah. I don't know how you do PR before the internet. <laughs> I, I don't know how that, I, my mind does awful. not wrap around Dude, okay. how you did PR. Let, let, like, what'd you get, like a pigeon? Let me, let, me, let me tell you how bad it was, okay? Like, <laughs> I just sent a press release. <laughs> No, no, no. It, it was it was worse facts, than that. Like, facts, example, and I know I'm young. I'm millennial, so I, I, I'll, I'll okay. own it. I'll own it. But no, I don't. No. It doesn't make any sense it, to me. It doesn't. It's not even millennial. It's, it's really how we communicate today. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And how you would communicate back then. We had to call. Like for example, one of our clients was Ford Motor Company, and they were sponsoring this muralist. Uh, his name was Diego Rivera. He was a very famous Mexican muralist. And the exhibit was coming through. It was my job to call all the newspapers and say, hey, you got to check out this uh, this oh exhibition God. of Diego Rivera's murals. They're incredible. But please mention that they're sponsored by Ford Motor Company. Like that was like that was the thing that I had to do, you know, wow. and it was just and you didn't awful. do it. With, you didn't do it with excitement. Uh, I well, I I couldn't fake it. Yeah, I'm saying, that's, <laughs> I, just, I got a feeling that becomes like you got to think it becomes rudimentary. Like you you're you're yes. all it, it becomes monotonous. You got to do it every I single think a young, time. Picking up cold yeah. calling. Like, oh yeah, that, young Trey cold calling's the worst. Dude. Man, young Trey, young Trey Ringo. I think his his care meter was really low. It was not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> It was not good. Yeah, young I was like, this sucks, man. I got to find something else to do. He went trade. He, so he turned to T-Dub after that. <laughs> yeah. T-Dub. I, uh, I, I, again, I, so I, I actually was offered a really nice job by a guy named Mark McCormick, who founded the company called IMG, International Man. Yeah. yeah. That's, they I'm created so sports marketing. We're, we're going to have to get okay. a name drop kind of, yeah. like on the Drink like, Champs I was, episode. I was like, I know that. I know that name. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't know him like you, but I you heard know, it. I, yeah. Yeah. I heard well, he wrote he, he wrote these two famous books, Everything the Harvard, Harvard Business School Didn't Teach You, blah, 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 blah. So he offered me a job. And I was going to like travel and go to the Wimbledon and help them sell their Wimbledon clothing line. And they, they had a, uh, these very famous pens, cross pens were a big deal. And they also licensed them and all that kind of stuff. And it was good. It's going to be a good job, but I didn't want to do it. You know, I was like, I have to try, like whether or not I succeeded in doing the sportscaster thing almost was irrelevant. 
if I didn't try, I couldn't live with myself. Hmm. You know what I mean? I had to try. If, 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 I, if I failed, I failed. No big deal. I, I took a shot. I didn't want to be that guy 20 years down the road, sitting in an office, you know, calling people to talk about Ford Motor Company sponsorship of an art museum, thinking, what if I had? What if I had done this? So I had to try. So I turned him down. And I always tell this story because it was a long road to get there. But, you know, 20 years later, after I was at, at ESPN, IMG called me and they wanted to represent me. Hmm. And so it kind of came full circle. You know, it was they offered me a job and I said no, because I wanted to try this thing. And apparently it worked out so well that they called me back and said, we'd like to represent you. Wow. Take us through the process. How do you become? And let me pause before I say that, because yeah. today being a sports center anchor, I, it's all right. I think it's okay. But back in the day, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. know for a long time that it was not live. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. I some thought of it was live. Some no, of them were no, live yeah. and some were taped. But some you know what I'm talking about, just how it always. The cycle of information. The cycle of oh, yeah, information. yeah. When they, when they always repeat it, yeah. people were well, forgetting yeah. it. Yeah. You know, me and my bootleg cable, you know, I'm, I'm watching it, right? We didn't pay for the cable. Yeah, every channel. Uh, you thought they were, just, they were just doing it over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I sure did. That was probably that that one like show. An hour like, ago. like when you got to ESPN, like that, if you did the, it was called the 1 a.m. show, the 1A, because it went on there at 1 a.m. and it, it, it was before we had studios in LA yep. and any of that stuff. You were there like until all the games were done. Yes. You know, like the worst thing you could hear is a rain delay at, at Chavez Ravine and at, at Dodger Stadium. You're like, ah, oh, shit, we're going to be here till four o'clock in the morning or extra innings in San Francisco. See, you know? like, um, so, but like one of the first times I, you, you'll yes. love this. Oh, I'm, one I'm of the all first ears. times I got to do that show because, you know, you're like you said, you're on for 12 hours. Like people will watch and they'll see who you are. Um, it was when John Daly was going through his first bout with all addiction his booze and everything. He'd gone the year before at the players championship and, and like gotten hammered and messed up the condo. And it was just a bad scene. So he came back the next year and he was trying to be sober. And I wrote this poignant lead in about, Oh, this is going to be his, his struggle and all this kind of stuff. And I, and the line I was trying to say was right before he teed off, he got his coin signifying he'd been, you know, Sober. Booze free for a year. He's been sober, right? But I, I typed it in. I said he received his coin signifying one year of alcohol-free living, which was a really clumsy, stupid way to say it. So when I got on camera, I said right before he teed off, he received his coin signifying one year of free alcohol. Oh. <laughs> and I could just feel the blood like <sighs> rushing out of my face. I'm like, well, that's it. This is the last thing I'll ever do at ESPN. I'm done. Uh, and that we got to the highlights, and the producer says, yeah, we're going to need to fix that for the re-air. I was like, no shit. Yeah. Got <laughs> <laughs> for the re-air. Got a chance I to do was, that. I thought I was done. Yeah. I thought I was done. So how, take us through the process, become a sports center anchor? You know, it's funny. There is no, there's no, like, there's no blueprint for that. Like, mm -hmm. I can't tell you. Like, for example, I never sent a tape to ESPN. I was working in St. Louis on a local TV station at the time, and I got a call from the guy who, at that point, his name was Al Jaffe, who, who ran the talent recruiter for ESPN. And he's like, yeah, we'd like to bring you in for an audition. I'm like, how did you find, find out about they'll, me? They'll I, didn't, find you. I didn't send you a tape. And uh, he said, oh, I don't know. You know, someone sent us a tape. But I didn't have an agent, so someone else had sent him a tape. Like, 
Kenny Main infamously tells a story, like he sent ESPN like a million tapes and they were like, nope, nope, nope. And eventually they said, yes, I got a call out of the blue. Hmm. I have no idea how this guy heard of me, who sent him the tape or whatever, but that that's how it got started. And then I got up there and I did some shows and some people liked it and they moved me on to another show. And I, I, there's no, that's the weird part about the business. Like there's no, I can't tell people if you do this, 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 and this. Correct. It's not, it's not linear. What you know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if you want to be an accountant or you want to be a doctor or civil engineer or whatever, you know, well, you do this, you go to your grad school or you go to law school and then you, you know, you do your internship as a medical assistant somewhere. And then you get, you pass your MCATs or whatever. There's none of that. Hmm. Either they like you or, or you don't, don't. And you never know what someone will like and someone won't like. So hmm. I, yeah. that's the hardest part about it. You know, I loved him, respected him. He's great. Tell us what was it like to work next to and with Stuart Scott? Yeah. Um, I always tell the story and it, it sort of, um, sort of defines who Stuart was for me. And he's obviously a very different pe thing to a lot of different people. Um, when I, when I first started ESPN, uh, make a really long story short, some guy wrote an article about me and he sort of transposed some things and it made me sound like a total jackass, which it didn't, but there was a line there. He said, I guess it's the new guy. You're going to have to get Dan Patrick's coffee. And I said, like, well, I hope not to be the towel boy too long. And he put in the article, Wingo hopes to arise and not be a towel boy at ESPN. And so like it was insulting to everybody that was there, which was not my intent at all. It was a, it was a, it was a misplaced headline. But anyway, so everybody was giving me like tons of shit when I first got there. And they actually signed a towel and with nasty comments on it said, they'll pick up my laundry, all this kind of stuff. The only thing Stuart said on the towel was welcome. That was the only thing he said was welcome. And everyone else was sort of like, hey, screw you, new guy, you know, and yeah. he was very cool about it. Yeah. And so we did a few shows together. And but we, like, I want to be clear, Stuart and I were not like best friends. We were acquaintances. We got along. But there was, remember, we used to do this thing called ESP in the weekend. Yeah. Smitty, did you ever go to one of those? Yeah. In Florida, Disney World, we used to bring everybody down for Disney World, ESP yeah. in the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I used to yeah. go to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's, one uh, year. I, that's when they used to give us um uh, the tour guide and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, absolutely. It was it was the first year was I think 2002, 2003 when we lost Super Bowl. So yeah, I started right. going. So we we did that for like 10 years in a row. Yes, and one year, Stuart and I got down there early before anybody else and we didn't have anything to do. So I was like, you want to go play golf? So yeah, let's go play golf. So it was just Stuart and I. And, uh, you know, we, we just started talking and having a great time. And, you know, cart girl came around had a few cocktails had a little more fun game got worse <laughs> got more fun and by the end of the day we were rolling literally and just having a blast and you know we did our whatever we did that weekend and we came back and I saw him in the hallways at Bristol and said hey that was really fun let's let's do that again he goes absolutely let's do that again like two months later he got sick and that started it and we never we never had that second round of golf and I, I always say I would have given anything to have another day like that with Stuart on the golf course. And, and you know, I, I say that to just tell people when you say you want to do something, do it, mm. you know, don't put it off because you never know. Like you never know. I take nothing for granted anymore. Um, and that's, that's sort of where I, whenever, whenever someone asks me about Stuart, I tell them those two stories that he was, couldn't have been nicer to me when I got here. And we had so much fun and we saw each other in the hall and we're like, Hey, that was great. Let's do it again. Then he got busy. I got busy. And then, 
it all went to shit. So, I mean, you, so, you, you, you know, you just take a, the time. You're in an always on profession. You talked about the the one a.m. sports centers. How do you unplug in an industry that's quote unquote always on? That's hard. You know, um, I, I'm a big believer in work life separation. You know, balance of church and state, for lack of a better term. I, I I tried to when I wasn't working, and this is when the kids were younger, and obviously, you know, it was important. Um, to make sure that I, when I wasn't working, I was present, you know, with, with the family. And that was, that was hard. I, that's why NFL live to me was the greatest gig of all time. Cause it was Monday through Friday and it was my favorite sport ever. And I got to talk to people like Smitty all the time who'd come on the show and, you know, and then, but I was, I was there, I was able to get to the games. I didn't, I didn't miss a concert for my daughter. I didn't miss, uh, I didn't miss uh, my son's games where they're, sixth grade, seventh grade, high school, college. I went to all of them, you know, um, that meant something to me. I, you have to have something away. Like you can't just be about work. If it's always about work, you're missing something. So I always, always wanted to make sure there was something else that I was putting my, my time and effort into. Who is Trey Wingo off air? Sadly, he's just as stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I couldn't fake it if I tried, you know what I mean? Like, that they like, give you an example. Like one year they had me do the NBA tonight. And I was like, Hey man, I appreciate it. I, this is not what I want to do. You know, like I don't want to do this. I, I really, I wanted to do something different. Mm. And then they said, okay, well, we'll move you to NFL live. And it worked out. It was great for 15 years. I had the best gig in the world. I did the draft, all those things. I love, I didn't, I never tried to be something on camera that I wasn't off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like people will tell you, you're kind of stupid all the time, you know? So uh, it, it doesn't really change. I don't, I, I didn't want to be something different or portray something different when I was doing the job and how I would have done it, you know, uh, away from the job. Let's do this little, little podcast shop talk. Let's do it. You know, what do, what do you think about podcasts? I think they're a waste of time to be honest, but what do you think? <laughs> I love it because it allows me to do the thing that I want to do. Which know, is? Like, uh, to me, stories and people are interesting. Mm, like I games agree. are good, yeah. but story. Like when I had you on, and how you, did, how you did had I one of the grades. How did our episode do? By the way, did very well. Really, did very well. By the way, Takio Spike's episode. I don't know why it's going through the roof, but really, um, oh, it's it's insane. Oh, um, oh, that just made me feel good. Thank you. The story no, that I loved about you. <laughs> This the story that I loved about you is when you when you told me that your mom gave you tough love, and you told her you were thirsty, and she said, "Well, can you spit?" And you said, "Yes." She goes, "Well, you're not thirsty." Yeah. Like I love those are good stories. That story you know I mean? sucks. And, Do you know why? <laughs> yeah. Man, that just hurts a little guy. Yeah. That's a wound. But we'll talk about that later. But, you know, and then you also, you still, we talked about your draft and you still, you brought out the receipts. You still had what people said about you going into the draft yes. all these years later, all these years later, you still had it. Well, part of it is my agent said that when I tore my Achilles, so he was trying to say, Hey, if we going to do this, if you're going to do this, you better do it. Don't sit out there and just kind of have to do it. The other part is I, I still bring a lot of that stuff out and I keep it in my office. It gives me a great perspective when I'm doing television, yeah. right? Correct. To kind of see and see how. Like, there's so many fans that don't realize how much stuff is said about players in the evaluation process that when they come to the draft or they leave the draft or they're not drafted, 
there's so many things said that you don't really know how and what and when and where, what's true, what's fabricated, what's hearsay. And so I, I just love the fact that I was able to read it and how so much one scout said this, another scout said that. And it was like, but I'm still 5'9", and this is what I present. That, that's it. This is who I am. And so I, I just – it's a great reminder sometimes. I don't say it on TV. It just kind of really shows me 32 teams, 32 different uh, general managers, 10-plus scouts pro and college on each team. And they all have different evaluation processes that we would say when we're sitting there looking at it. You, you, you can say right now, what is the process that the Detroit Lions have gone through to get where they are today? Yeah. And how come they yeah. can't get out of their way, right? But how come New England understands exactly how to get the best out of everybody? Why, why is this team so much smarter than this other team, right? They profit share. They do all this stuff. but And they can't get themselves – well, out of their own way. Well, it's interesting you said that, right? Because the NFL runs itself like socialism, right? They're all capitalists, but they all run it like socialism because they all split the money evenly. And that's the only way the league could survive. Like, there's no way the NFL could have a team in Green Bay if cities like New York and Los Angeles and Washington Correct. and Philadelphia and, you know, Baltimore would be willing to share their profits because Green Bay couldn't couldn't function they couldn't keep up they wouldn't be able to exist so but when you said profit sharing like for some teams that's enough right we're making money we're good you know and other teams have different agendas they want to win yeah winning at all costs willing to hire whoever they need to hire correct trey is that a is that an emmy over your shoulder oh yeah so yeah. you, you, you've gotten Emmys, you've had this successful on-air career. What are you most excited about creating in this new chapter? You're, you're doing podcasting. I know you were with Caesars uh, Sports Book. What, what are you excited about in this new chapter? Well, again, like for me, it's the ability. And this is like going forward forever. Like it used to be, had to be on TV. Like it had to be a thing. Now, you know, you can put your content wherever you want to put it. Yeah. And people either will consume it or they won't. Um, and we've been very fortunate. You know, we've, we've had over 5 million views on the YouTube channel and we're closing in on five and a half million in less than a year, which is great. Wow. Um, subtle flex. Um, Just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I, I like, I like telling stories. I like having getting, conversations with I, people. I'm just getting, you know what I mean? like, getting the stuff out of my eye. Sorry. That's okay. It's all good. Uh, I, I like, I like the ability to decide who I want to talk to, when I want to talk to them and what I want to talk to them about. Like I, like I just told you, we, you know, we got some Hall of Famers coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, Jason Taylor, great story about him and you know, and how he learned how he needed to put on some weight when he finally got to college because he was always this skinny kid out of Western Pennsylvania. Um, but I just I enjoy the conversations, yeah, and that's the fun part of it for me now. Got to do a commercial with Halle Berry. That was not terrible. I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm. Not terrible. Mm-hmm. Not a terrible experience. <laughs> Okay. Um, you keep rub it in. Right you keep right not in. terrible. You got two married men talking not terrible. You want to say, "Oh, yeah, I understand. I'm not getting in trouble." Oh, good no, for you, brother. No, you good. It was, an, it was a it was a fun day. I bet it was. Day. I bet it was. Good uh, for you. So Yay, I, we will edit that I, I part like the out. Flexibility. <laughs> I like the flexibility more than anything. Man, it's 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 been a pleasure and it just just enjoy talking to you. It's fun. Respect you. It's been an honor and privilege for you to come on my podcast. Um, and just just to rock with you and, and, and to be able to know 
when you're sitting around and you say, hey, man, I want to check in with somebody, you know, uh, when, you're, when your phone is not getting, uh, you know, stolen and hijacked uh, while you're on vacation in Hawaii, it's, 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 great, to, it's great to know. <laughs> it's that. true. Yeah. It's, it's true. Someone stole, tried to steal my phone number and identity theft attempt. And he's like, Steve was like, why aren't you responding to my text? I'm like, let me explain. And he told me, because I'll number. check in. Like, there's certain guys, I try to check in with a lot of guys, not, you know, have a full-on blown conversation, but just like, hey, just want to make sure there's still your number. Hope all is well, yeah. you know, especially during the pandemic. And it was good. And, and you know, and then obviously when things happen. So uh, it was cool. So appreciate you. Listen, so, someone once told me, and a, and a player once sent this to me in a DM, and I thought it was cool. He said, real recognizes real. Mm. And uh, yes, sir. I think uh, I feel the same way about you, my friend. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Labreck, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. (laughs) 